For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. It is Legends of Sport Friday. I'm looking forward to this day every day of the week because it is our good friend. It's Andy Bernstein. Andy, how are you doing, my friend? I'm great, Arash. You know, just uh, navigating the rain over here, but doing really well. Hope you are too. I am doing great, and I am so excited about the guest you had on this week's because this was a man whose name I'm very familiar with, someone that I've known in terms of what he's meant to the sport for quite some time, but I've never really talked with him. I don't know him personally. Rick Welts, um, and you guys touch on all the things that he had a hand in, in terms of the league, in terms of the dream team, in terms of the WNBA. I know you've known him for quite some time. Talk about Rick Welton, what he's meant to the game. Well, first of all, Rick and I go back to the beginning of my career. Um, he started off as a ball boy wow. for the Seattle Sonics, believe it or not. And we met in the very early days of the creation of NBA properties. David Stern brought him in, and uh, Rick headed NBA Properties. He headed NBA Entertainment, headed Symphony. Um, he was the architect of NBA All Star Weekend because, as you might remember, prior to 1984, the All Star Weekend was a game. Was yeah. a game on. That was it. So Rick uh, single handedly almost brought um, brought a weekend. Uh, of entertainment, you know, with the dunk contest and the three point contest that started in 84. And he and I worked side by side. I mean, you know, he's very instrumental in, in the creation of the marketing plan for the dream team. Um, the explosion of the NBA, you know, following that, of course. Uh, and then, um, very, very closely involved with David Stern, Val Ackerman, Russ Granick, Gary Bittman, you know, all the brass at the NBA, uh, the creation of the WNBA. Um, so Rick and I have stayed great friends, colleagues. He moved on to become the president of the Suns. Then he became the president of the Warriors <laughs> and uh, got inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2018, at the same time you know that I received an award from the Hall of Fame. And now he's um, supposedly enjoying retirement, quote-unquote. <laughs> I don't think this guy will ever retire because he's got his hands in a lot of things, but um, an incredible person, colleague, human being, 
has led the way in so many ways uh, professionally, but also uh, personally as well. And I, I just I'm thrilled to have him on the podcast this week. Before we play uh, the first part of your conversation again, as we do each and every Friday, we just play a snippet of these amazing conversations that you have with these folks. If people want to tune into the entire thing, fo- just tell them about you, your podcast too, because not only, because here's the thing, you go down a ton, you know, you go down and I want to just hear Rick and then I'm like, oh, I haven't heard this in a while and it's, it is Kobe and it's magic and it's Byron. Tell us about your podcast. Well, thank you, Raj. The podcast called Legends of Sport, hence the name Legends <laughs> of Sport um, we're now uh, at least midway, if not further, into our sixth season. Over 180 podcast interviews with really the A-list of sports. Um, we uh, so fortunate, you know, to be able to book some really amazing guests. I mean, Rick Wells is incredible, but you know, I had Byron Scott on. I talked about him. James Worthy just interviewed him yesterday, so you and I'll be talking about that yeah. upcoming. Um, uh, just a little bit of a hint for next week. We got a classic episode that we did with Spencer Haywood, the wow. great Spencer. So it sounds like it's basketball heavy, which it is because that's my background. But we also um, cover a lot of women's sports. We cover a lot of um, sports other than basketball and people can find us uh, at legends of sport on Instagram. Um, of course, on your favorite podcast platform, we're hosted by iHeart, but you can find us anywhere, Spotify or, or Apple. And, Please, uh, you know, check out check out our website, legendsofsport.net, because that has all the information across the board of our platform. All right. With that being said, first part of an amazing conversation, Rick Welt. And again, if you don't know the name, you will follow in this conversation. Uh, he's meant so much to the game. Let's now play for you. It is Legends of Sport Friday. This week, it is with Rick Welts. Worked and uh-huh. a lot of NBA related, but, uh, you know, at least I don't have my eight Zoom calls. Today, oh, my God, which, man. Which I don't miss. I don't yeah, miss. I heard you say during the pandemic, you did like, correct me if I'm wrong, like 5,000 Zoom calls or some ridiculous <laughs> thing. <laughs> we lived on it. We all... It got us through. Yeah, you know, I know. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, and that's, you know, on top of opening a building and everything else you were doing up there. Um, so, Rick, 50 years in the NBA, I mean, it's, you know, it's a little astounding to think about that you and I met 40, well, yeah, about 40 years ago, right? 40, yeah. 38 yeah. years ago. I was thinking, you know, I was at the... Uh, at the the Lakers uh, Showtime reunion last week, and the stories that come out of that, you know, and the camaraderie. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it was like at, at the NBA way at the beginning when you first started? I mean, there were you know how many people were working there? What was the environment like? Uh, I had no idea what I was getting into. You have to remember, I I had <laughs> grown up in Seattle, Washington. We'd won an NBA championship in nineteen seventy nine. I thought the NBA owned the world. Like right. I thought it was the most amazing sports property of all time. Yeah. And this uh, clever lawyer uh, called me one day and said, "Hey, why don't you come back and you know we'll talk about maybe coming to work here at the NBA?" Which sounded amazing to me. I, I don't. I don't think I, I've been to New York like once before and got to spend a night in the Waldorf Astoria Hotel <laughs> and uh, walked over to the Olympic Tower where the NBA still is today, uh, mm-hmm. although they were, on, they were on one half of one floor at that point. Right, <laughs> right, I know. And met, met this lawyer um, who my half-hour appointment, I think, went about two hours and ended up working for David Stern 
uh, a few months later, um, I was the 35th employee. Wow. Uh, they had me accounting the mailroom. Wow. That was wow. everybody who worked there. That's, and, uh, that's crazy. Stern's mission was to start to build a business organization, yeah. which the NBA didn't have. Scheduled games and signed referees, and that was about it. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, it, it was a, a time I wouldn't trade for anything. It's caused for that Camelot, as you would ever guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. Stern, Stern was collecting a bunch of young people who loved the NBA. I fit all his criteria. Mm-hmm. I was young. Uh, maybe most important, I loved the NBA, but most importantly, I was very inexpensive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they were watching their pennies back in those days. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> You know, you and I really bonded. I think it had to be the 84 All-Star Weekend, which you single-handedly created. Um, the genesis of that really was, can you just describe like how you talked David into going from a game to a weekend? How did that work? Well, remember, that is the weekend that David Stern was, he'd been elected commissioner, but he became commissioner after that right, weekend. So right, this right. was Larry O'Brien's last weekend in office. Mm-hmm. and. You were going to all-star games even before that. It was uh, one hotel. Yeah. Uh, everybody showed up on Saturday. You went to a banquet on Saturday night with usually a really bad comedian. Yeah, yeah. Playing the all-star game on Sunday afternoon, everybody goes home. And uh, Stern, had, Stern had kind of set out some things that we were going to do mm-hmm. when he was commissioner. One of them... Uh, was he wanted to get back in touch with the history of the game. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a video history. We mm-hmm. didn't have a photographic history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right. we didn't have a relationship history yeah. with all of the players who had, uh, you know, given us the opportunity to have the jobs we had. So um, that was in the back of my mind. Um, there was a there was a wonderful NBA executive by the name of Carl Shearer, who mm-hmm. was the um, well, he was president of Denver Nuggets at the time. And as you know, yeah, probably a yeah. lot of your listeners know, uh, the, the Nuggets had a great ABA heritage mm-hmm. as well uh, before they came into the NBA. And mm-hmm. one of the most famous events in the history of basketball happened in Denver in McNichols Arena in 1976, which was mm-hmm. the ABA yeah. slam dunk contest. Right. Yeah, exactly. That was crazy with like David Thompson and all those guys. Yeah, yeah, and uh, a young Julius Irving. Julius Irving, of course. Yeah. No one had ever seen before. He yeah. picked up the ball, went into the court, walked to the other end, then charging down the court and took off from the free throw line <laughs> and dunked the ball to win the ABA slam dunk challenge. Yeah, insane. So uh, now we're, you know, we're eight years later. Yeah. Um, Carl comes to New York. Uh, we started playing the All-Star game about November before the February. It's a little longer time period now yeah. to play the All-Star game. <laughs> and uh, we met uh, for a drink, and he's like, I, I got an idea. Yeah, We need to celebrate Denver's All-Star heritage uh, and our ABA heritage. Mm-hmm. But let's, at halftime, let's do a slam dunk contest. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's a little bit of a problem on CBS. They have this halftime programming. I'm not sure that'll work. But I went I went home that night mm-hmm. and by kind of like total chance, uh, I turned on the television set and there was a baseball old timers game from Washington, DC on. Mm-hmm. And I wa- I'm watching this game and some six year old guy hits a home run over the Cracker Jack sign in left field. It was a Cracker Jack old timers game. <laughs> something just clicked yeah. with me. I went in the next day and said, I'm like, okay, here's an idea. Let's do like a second day of events. Uh-huh. 
And, you know, let's invite back all these players that you want to get in and back get into a relationship with and we'll have an old timers game. Mm-hmm. And then it's Denver. Carl's got this great idea. We'll do a slam dunk contest. Mm-hmm. And you know, most importantly for me, cause it was my job. I think I can actually sell that to a sponsor. Yeah. Cause I hadn't, I hadn't sold anything. It was right. the NBA. Nobody wanted to buy anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he said, you know, I kind of like it. So let me, let me go talk to the commissioner. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came back and, and it was kind of like, yeah, um, his last weekend in office, like he's not, he's not buying it. Yeah. I, I kind of gave up on the idea. But a few days later, I don't know what happened. Stern comes back to my office and says, okay, commissioner says you can do it on two conditions. One, it doesn't cost the NBA a penny. You got to figure out how to pay for the whole thing. <laughs> and second, like you can't embarrass him on his last weekend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> well, okay, you, let's go. you, you, you sent him out with, uh, on a, <laughs> on a bang i mean didn't larry nance senior win that thing okay yeah. so i have a really yeah. funny story so larry nance jr is a rookie with the lakers right <laughs> i wasn't sure if it was the first one or the second one that he you know 84 85 but 84 yeah. and uh he goes up for a dunk in preseason and it looks exactly like his dad's dunk so i did a i did a instagram post with them next to each other right wow. and i showed it to him he, he goes Wow, that picture that we had that on our wall when I was a kid growing up. He says, "Where did you get that?" I said, "What do you mean where did I get that? I took that." And then he said, "How the blank old are you?" <laughs> I said, "Well, I'm old enough to have taken that. Probably older than your dad." That's, that's so funny. So it's, well, that, yeah. you know, that weekend was the first time we ever got any coverage in Sports Illustrated. We had like six pages of. Sports Illustrated, right, uh, right. Julian Serving, God bless him, came back to, you know, at the end of his career to be in the slam dunk contest. But yeah. you're right, you remember it the right way. Yeah. You know, I think when Julius recreated that dunk he done, I think he was about this far inside the free throw line. Right. This toward the end of his career, yeah. this rookie, Larry Nance, who was kind of a passing of the mantle to a younger <laughs> generation and a passing of the torch from Larry O'Brien to David. So yeah. it, it was a great launch. Yeah. It was a great launch for the new commissioner. You know, it's crazy because looking back, those guys wanted to be in the dunk contest. You know, Michael, oh, yeah. Dominique, yeah. Nance, uh, Kenny Skywalker. I mean, I think all these guys, you know, and that kept going, you know, until, you know, through like Dwight Howard and, and then now, like, what's the deal? I mean, you know, the, there's incentive with money and it's cool to win it, but how come nobody wants to do it anymore? I, I think it became probably because of Michael and Dominique and these great players that did these, you know, legendary dunks mm-hmm. that you captured that were on every kid's wall. Yeah. It became kind of a, kind of a macho te- a test of your like masculinity or something like nobody wanted to embarrass themselves. Yeah. And not, not be as good as yeah. those guys. And I, and I think it took a while, you know, it's taken a while. We still get great dunks. Yeah, we know? do. It's just, you know, it's just it, like, it just turned a little bit, you know, and, I don't know. Yeah. I, I've had this idea. I don't know if I ever discussed it with you. I actually meant to, mentioned it to Commissioner Silver at the beginning of his reign, so maybe he has it in the back of his mind. I'm thinking, why not get like five of the greatest dunkers of all time, put their like three or four best dunks in a hat, and have a and have a designated dunker from today pick the ones that he's going to do, and then have that guy judge it along with the fans. 
Because then you're like, sort of recreating history, right? I mean, we've kind of seen that with, um, you know, a few things, um, you know. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. Dwight Howard and all that stuff. But anyway, I, I just think it needs a little, like, uh, as we say in Yiddish, a little zets, you know, to yeah, get it. Yeah. It turned, you know, it turned out the three-point shooting contest, which we had in Dallas yeah. uh, a couple years later, it was like, that's, that's, that is something that's just based on pure – the players do pretty much enjoy doing yeah. that. Oh, yeah. That's just – whether the ball goes in or out, it's not you know how you look doing it. So yeah, but how um, bizarre that that a center won it last year. <laughs> I mean, Larry Bird is probably just sitting there, just scratching his head, right? Hey, bigs can shoot now. Yeah, shoot. I mean it's yeah. it, it's truly hard to believe, man. So Rick, you know, I mean your history. I know your history. I'm sure a lot of our followers do too. But you know, not only creating All Star Weekend, you were so instrumental with the Dream Team. You were right there in the ground, helping to create the WNBA. I mean, you're up there in 2018 at the at the Hall of Fame, and you're being recognized, being enshrined. And you you had a very passionate, wonderful speech. What's what was going through your mind? You know. Thinking back, I mean, I was nervous. You know, I got my Gaudi Award the same year, yeah. which was a super tremendous honor to, you know, be recognized the same year as you. Um, but what what were you thinking that day? Yeah, you know, just how unlikely the journey was, you know, for, for any of us, for you, for me. Like, who yeah. would have ever guessed? I, you know, I, I started going to Seattle Supersonics basketball games with my dad in 1967 when the Sonics <laughs> were an expansion franchise. and. Yeah, you know, the Boston Celtics and Bill Russell would come to town, you know, and mm-hmm. just to imagine, you know, how lucky and how unlikely that journey was that would that would end up on the stage in Springfield. And for me, like as as you know, you get to invite um, Hall of Famers to yeah. be up there with you, mm-hmm. and uh, that was one of the coolest things for me mm-hmm. because uh, you know I got to have Bill Russell on the stage with me, David yeah. Stern yeah. on the stage with me, and. Yeah. You know, one of the great unsung heroes of the NBA, Russ Granick, uh, yeah. on the stage with me, Annie Myers, Drysdale, and Lenny Wilkins. Wow, uh, that that's a starting five right yeah. there, man. That's, that's a pretty good group. Yeah. And to be able to be there and share that with them, and uh, <laughs> you, know, you really just think about what an amazing life we've had and what the, what the game has given to you, mm-hmm. and you just hope you've... Uh, done something in return to deserve it well you know i've always known you to be humble and uh, you're being really humble now but i mean yeah. you seriously you know with david literally the architects of modern game and what it's become and commercially and everything else you know i just spent a week with spencer haywood and his story is you know is insane i mean what he did for the the guys who came after him um and not too many people in this game really get it or know it you know can so you, can you tell me can i tell you my story about how spencer and i did it? yeah I would, I would love to yeah so spencer as you remember um the nba had a age limitation on players coming into the league and the rival aba did not Right. And so Spencer Haywood uh, was a 19 year old and signed uh, with the ABA and became immediately like their best, you know, their their best superstar. Yeah. And our owner Sam Shulman of the Sonics, uh, you know, kind of very Sam Shulman like, decided I don't care what the NBA's rules are, I'm just going to go sign Spencer Haywood. And uh, as as you know, uh, it came went all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme yep. Court. 
uh, ruled that uh, just age was not a limitation the NBA could put on players unless it was collectively bargained. Mm-hmm. So the day that Spencer walked into, he, he actually, private planes were unheard of then, but I think we had a game that night. Mm-hmm. He flew in, but he was late. He didn't get there before the, until just before the game started. Mm-hmm. And I can't even tell you the feeling in the Seattle Center Coliseum when all the team, both teams were out on the court. He came walking out of the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the place went absolutely crazy. Yeah, but yeah. Spencer Spencer was not always the 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 easiest guy in those early years, especially. Oh yeah, and he he admits that for sure. Yeah. So it was it was team picture day. <laughs> okay. And I don't know whether he did it because he really liked me, or he did it just to kind of tweak the PR director or whatever. And Spencer said, "I'm not I'm not getting in the team photo unless Rick's in the team photo." Really? Uh, I was in my little Sonic assistant trainer uniform. And uh, <laughs> there it is. There I am standing. Uh, Get out of here. All right, let's leave it there. Uh, just a, an amazing man, Rick Welts, when you look at what he's done in his career, in his life, uh, you know, what, what he did for, for the league. But then when you look at it, the All-Star Weekend, I mean, that's really his creation in terms of three-point contest, slam dunk contest, skills competition. Again, it was just the game. And really, who cares about the game? I mean, now it's about the weekend. It's about the slam dunk contest. It's about three-point contest, about all these events. That was Rick Welts' idea. So, uh, so cool to kind of get to know more about him. So, let's leave, leave, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by more conversation with Rick Welts when we come back on the Mighty Air 1090, the fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network and the Sports Map Radio Network. It is Legends of Sport Friday with Andy Bernstein. And Andy, the number one question I always get is, oh my God, he shot all these amazing photos at all. I mean, how can I do what he does? And listen, mm-hmm. I mean, there's one way where, you know, people contact you, they ask you a question. You have an amazing workshop you're about to do for folks out there who want to learn from you, do what you do. How can they do that? Well, Arash, um, I, I'm, I'm happy now at this point in my career to be able to uh, share some knowledge, some wisdom, some experience um, with the new generation, but also people who might be looking you know, to get into photography, I've always been interested in it, maybe sports photography specifically, but also people um, maybe around my age who look at a transition or might be retired or looking to get into a different kind of profession or whatever. And so I share my story and uh, 
we're launching a, a great online workshop. It's a live workshop. So if you imagine a masterclass, which is kind of prepackaged, but this is a masterclass that's live. So 12 segments called Beyond the Lens, and people can sign up now. Um, it's called it's beyondthelens.live. And we're going to launch it in June, but we're doing a, a big drive right now. So you get a nice discount if you sign up now. And again, 12 sessions. Um, each session will be sort of a lesson in what I've learned, what you can take you know, from my experience working with Kobe or working with David Stern or building my own business or transitioning now as I am off the court yeah. to sport, which is my you know content platform. So it's not really a how to be a sports photographer per se. I'm not teaching F stops and shutter speeds, but, but a lot of stories about the, the inner workings and behind the scenes of some big shoots that I've done in the past. So I love the first part of the conversation you had with uh, Rick. The one thing that I thought of, I mean, you know him so deeply. Do you, do you learn something from these conversations when you sit down with James Worthy and Byron Scott? I mean, uh, tell me what that's like. Oh, I got to tell you, man, and, and you know this because you interview people more than I do and have for many, many years. We always learn something. We always learn. You know, we prepare. Um, my tremendous producer, uh, Eugenia, and I spend a lot of time preparing. We have questions. We have kind of an overall sort of generalized script, but most of the time we go off script. <laughs> yeah, it's great. You know, it, you know, a comment or a, a question will, will kind of be a catalyst for a story or something else. And Rick shares so many great stories about how the dream team was started and, and how the WNBA was started and what the NBA was like when literally there were four people working at NBA properties, <laughs> you know, now it's a worldwide organization. But back then, it was really a mom and pop store um, run by you know what we who we used to call Uncle David Stern. Um, so you know to see what Rick has accomplished and, and and also as a human being as a person, you know the bravery it took for him to come out as the really the first major sports executive to come out as gay yeah. uh, took a lot of courage and it really inspired so many people. I mean, he's heard directly he shares it in the podcast about how inspiring his story has been to others who might have had difficulty coming out. And incredibly inspiring to me as, as his friend because, you know, he was kind of living in the shadows there for a while, for a long time in his career, and now he doesn't have to anymore. And I, I applaud him for that. I, I just, I'm, I'm just so um, amazed by what he's accomplished, you know, in business and in his personal life. And if you just did one of the things that he's done in his life, uh, but when you talk about him as a team executive with the Warriors, when you mm -hmm. talk about what he's done with the league, uh, it is truly re remarkable. And again, when you told me who you're, you were going to talk to this week, I said, oh, I'm really excited about this one. Rick Welch again, yes. because your, your photo of the dream team was the first time that I w was just like, Oh my God, you know, people don't appreciate now that you're, if you're younger, uh, you know, we didn't mm -hmm. see the best of the best. And so the dream team coming together, that that was so cool. So again, really thrilled yeah. now for the second part of your conversation, legends of sport Friday with Rick Welts. Well, right. To this day, it's the most unlikely of friendships. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, for just a few years, short, just a few months short of 50 years, um, he was really my friend and mm. he acted like my friend yeah. and cared 
about what I was doing. And I was able to, you know, we do what friends did. We celebrated birthdays. We, we, uh, uh, I helped him with some, he wanted to get back. He, he was really kind of estranged from the NBA. He hadn't really gotten involved with the NBA and was mm. able to help reintroduce him back in. He wanted to get a, you know, license to make, you know, some products and help them do that. And mm-hmm. he got to know David Stern and got to mm-hmm. know Adam and, and, uh, you know, and he, you know, there's a, there's obviously a chapter where he helped me beyond belief, which mm-hmm. was, um, you know, when I made the decision in 2011 to come out as gay. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, was a huge moment in my life. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. had met, um, I'd met a reporter from the New York Times named Dan Barry, a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter, who was going to do the story. Yeah. And Dan came out to Phoenix where I was president of Suns at the time. And he uh, said, you know, Rip, with all due respect, like nobody knows who the hell you are. You're, you're a guy in a suit in the office, right? <laughs> so, but everybody knows the people that you've befriended on this journey. And mm-hmm. if we could get them to tell your story, it would resonate with so many more people because mm-hmm. they can relate to the mm-hmm. people that were telling the story. Yeah. So the first one on my list was Bill. Wow. You know, and, uh, yeah. Asked if I could come see him, you know, flew up to Seattle, drove over to his house in Mercer Island. Never forget like my heart pounding, walking up to his front door and you know, the door swings open and, you know, there's Bill in the Celtics office. It's the know. white guy from down the hall, yeah. Which is what he called me every time he saw me the first time. Or every time he called, it would be, hey, white boy. Down That's down. great. But we went in his office, you know, we sat in a couple chairs. There was a picture of Barack Obama uh, between us that was autographed to Bill, you're my hero. Wow. So nothing intimidating about the setting. Yeah. And I just said, Bill, here's my story. And I'm going to ask you to do the one thing that you hate doing more than anything else in the world and that's talking to a reporter <laughs> yeah exactly or or signing an autograph right what right. are the other <laughs> right. um, and you know that conversation probably took two minutes and then mm-hmm. we spent an hour laughing about stuff that had happened that cackle of a laugh yeah. that we always heard and it, he made me so at ease mm-hmm. and uh you know without him i know i don't know what would have ended up on the front page of new york times but yeah. You know, he and David Stern and Steve Nash and some others were kind enough to mm-hmm. agree to do that. And that, uh, you know, for me, it was, was uh, incredibly meaningful that he would, he would participate. Yeah. So. so, Rick, looking back, you know, this is 11 years ago and then prior to that, and you were keeping this secret. I mean, what what... <laughs> What was the fear at that point? I mean, you accomplished executive. You had done so much. You know, everyone who knew you, loved you, and was behind you. I mean, wh- what was the fear of of coming out earlier? Uh, maybe it's different. It is different time. I guess I don't know. It was and it wasn't. I mean, I still spent a lot of time talking to people who are in my situation in sports who are not ready to take that step. Really, um, mm. but you know, there's the fear of unknown. There was there was nobody in my life who was in sports, mm-hmm. who had done, you know, an executive role, who had come out, and there was nobody I could look to and say, well, that worked out pretty well. For yeah. And yeah. that was that was a good part of the motivation for me. It was like, to be that person for somebody else, that would be a really cool legacy to, yeah. live, to leave. And, you know, it's there are a few more, you know, people certainly in the NBA now who've come out in office roles, not a, not a president, but... You know, yeah. it it, yeah. it still is something that I I 
am involved with like every week. I talk to somebody who, you know, is trying to reach out for somebody who would understand mm-hmm. exactly what they're debating. And you just didn't know how it would affect your career. You didn't know how it would affect what, what the thing that you love to do more than anything else. And, you're, yeah, yeah. you know, that's, that fear was really powerful for a long period of time. You yeah. know, but I, it was, it wasn't my time before when I did it. Like gotcha. that was my time. And that's what I tell other people too. Like, this is not, this is, you'll know, like, you'll know when the time is right. Right. And that was, that was when the time was right for me. Yeah, it had to be very cathartic, I would think. At that, I mean, I mm-hmm. you know can't put myself in your spot, but even just thinking about just finally just being able to live life, you know, not yeah. have this whatever stigma, which has yeah. made no sense to begin with. But you know, mm-hmm. you know, I want to go back to uh, to, to our friend, mentor, Uncle David, <laughs> and. Uh, Terry Lyons told me a great story. <laughs> he knew that I was talking to you today, and I saw him at Hall of Fame a couple of weeks ago. And um, he told me about the "I love this game" story, how that happened. All right, I don't want to, I don't want to jump into it. You, you I want to hear that. you say it. I, I still talk to so, yeah, so Terry said, I got to get this right. He said that you guys were in a conference conference room 15B on the 15th. You know, Terry remembers these things. And, it was the only conference room we had. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> there was no A, it was just B. <laughs> and uh, these guys from the ad agency came in and they kept pitching ideas. I forgot the name of the agency and everybody hated it and they thought it was stupid and they didn't get it. And one of the guys said, Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I I can't figure out why all you guys love this game so much. Is that is this really how it was bored? I think that's pretty close. That's pretty close. I think it was I think it was Andy Berlin. I think it was Andy Berlin. But I think yeah, and all of a sudden, right, you know, light bulbs go off. Yeah, and we're like, that's it. But the, but the early commercials, I I just uh, YouTube them today. The one of the opera singer. Ridiculous, right? Yeah. Insane. Yeah. I mean, you guys were just having fun doing this, and that's the thing well, about about David, right? That that he, you know, he thought out of the box. That was like what his yeah. claim to fame. No, I I think that's what if you could spend enough time around him, you anytime he was he was a voracious reader. Right, mm-hmm. he read everything, and yeah. most of the time in those days it wasn't online; it was in periodicals, newspapers, magazines, whatever. Yeah. He always had a stack this tall on his desk of mm-hmm. just stuff that he had. And whenever you would go in for a meeting, like he'd be digging through this stack and hand you a couple things when you left. Right. And you go back to your office and you're reading this, and it's like, what in the world does this have to do with <laughs> the NBA? And then there'd be something in there where you would go, oh. Yeah, some nugget. Okay. Yeah. I don't see. Yeah. But, you know, he was a lawyer, but he ended up the best broadcast executive he ended up the best marketing executive mm-hmm. um he, he taught himself by just having this unquenchable desire to learn something new and approach i described his approach every day is like he woke up every day thinking you know everything i've learned up until now might be wrong <laughs> and i'm going to leave myself open today uh-huh. to accept a new idea that uh-huh. maybe how we're doing it isn't the right way uh-huh. And I'm going to challenge myself to think about why somebody's doing it that way when we're doing it this way and work myself back to our situation and either decide, I think we're doing it right, or you know what, there's an idea here that we ought to be trying. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, the early years especially, we had nothing to lose, right? Because <laughs> it's not like we were in the NFL or Major League Baseball, right? right. 
was like every, even making mistakes was like terrible. Oh, you got you got to give me you got to give me one thing that that didn't work or you know threw against the wall and just didn't stick. Or David thought, you guys are out of your mind. Don't even tell me, you know, something. Well, there, there was the time we were arrogant enough to think we could start a competitive football league. A football league? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We don't have a league. Why don't we just, <laughs> why don't we just start a new football league? Uh -huh. And it actually was kind of fun. We ended up talking to, uh, you know, Eversol for a while. I think Vince McMahon got involved for a little while. And uh -huh. I think we... Yeah. Finally came to our senses and agreed. You know that NFL thing is is pretty good. We maybe don't want to poke that bear. But yeah, for, right. Oh. You know, that's an example. <laughs> something that we kind of lost our minds on for a few days, and then yeah. Well, what you just spoke about about um, really his, his mentorship of you and and um, is is that did you take that with you as you progressed and and you know then all of a sudden you're leading teams and you're leading organizations and you had this great mentor and other mentors right yeah. so your you know I read a great quote about your um, definition of success right is 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 all about individuals you know melding together and being open to ideas and you know everyone i know and i my experience with you too has always been that you'll listen you know and there might be another idea that you didn't even think about you know people some people in your position are a little too arrogant to say oh i didn't think of that <laughs> that was a great yeah. idea that's why i hired you by the way yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, I, but i do think um if you're lucky enough to have great bosses and mentors and David was mine for 17 years. Um, yeah. You know, it, you do like we could, as you know, we could not be more different personality wise. Mm -hmm. You know, there are no two different people, more different people, but yeah. I think you're able to see the things that you really admire about how somebody leads that you can make your own, not by copying what they do, but, mm -hmm. but expressing it, authentically in your own way mm -hmm. but you want to you want to take away some things and with him it really i think that kind of desire to just be a lifetime learner and always be open mm -hmm. to different ways of doing things you've done or new ideas that yeah. might be happening i think that was that was definitely one of the things and his his uh true nature was so pure and compassionate despite you know the reputation of being mm -hmm. you know this this terror yeah. as a boss um was one of the softest nicest human beings uh on the face of the earth yeah and he that that balance is what made him so special that he could he could absolutely kill you yeah. uh, <laughs> exactly. during the day and yeah. you go home at night thinking like oh, this is just not gonna work yeah and yeah you remember in those days we had home telephone uh, <laughs> as beepers right yeah. 10 o'clock at night the phone would ring and it was you know wasn't david stern it was like uncle dave like, <laughs> was, you know maybe he knew he kind of overstepped that day but, yeah yeah. You know, but at the end of the conversation, you were charged up and ready to go run through a wall for him and for the NBA the next day. It was quite a skill. Amazing, man. Amazing. Yeah. Well, Rick, tell me what, what what's going on now. Are you still with the Warriors in some capacity? No. Um, Not at all, huh? 
Well, my capacity with the Warriors is the big, their biggest fan. <laughs> so will I see you on ring night is the big question. Will you well, be there? I, actually, I'm not going to be in town on ring night. Oh, okay. Um, but it will be, uh, I, I, it's must-see TV for me. I'll go to a bunch of games. Yeah. still love everybody there and love mm-hmm. what was created there and have a lot. It's such a big part of my life. It always will be. But, yeah, you know, I've, got, I've got some, uh, you know, I joined a couple of public company boards. I, uh mm-hmm. I, I was lucky enough to run into a 40-something billionaire venture capital guy who's about to buy 15% of a really good team. Mm-hmm. can't tell you who. Yeah. I think I may end up as an executive producer of a, of a docudrama series. So uh, all this retirement stuff, like I said to David, I, I went to David's office and interviewed him. He was supposedly retired. He's on 13 boards. I'm like, you're, you're working harder now than when you were yeah. like sitting at the desk <laughs> my, my, my bucket list thing you've already touched on is if i could be useful in any way mm-hmm. and, uh, getting a, an nba team back to seattle that for me would bookend a career that uh you know i don't want to run it i just want to help yeah we get one back there that would be amazing opening night the next opening night for the seattle supersonics would be uh would be a pretty pretty great way to Exclamation that would be what Phil Jackson would call a full circle event, <laughs> right? Well, I have to tell you, my friend, um, publicly, that you know you were literally the first person that I went to about the concept of Legends of Sport. That was nine years ago. I think you were with the yeah. Suns at that point. Yeah. Right. Well, I would have been right at the beginning. If it was nine years ago, would have been right at the beginning of my uh, Warriors. No, you were still at the Suns, so this, okay. it's so got to be like eleven years ago. I don't even. I, who knows? Right. But but you you know to your credit, I mean, you're a busy guy. You sat. You gave me some ideas. We have sort of tried to implement them, you know, waiting for a gigantic bucket of money to fall out of the sky. But, you know, meanwhile, I'm doing, this is the sixth season of the podcast. You're like uh, number 175. So, congratulations. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Well, you're, I don't know if you know, you're Andrew Bernstein. So the reason the Hall of Fame honored you, there's a reason for that. You well, know, thank you. So many people in the world have seen the NBA through your lens. Thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah, we all have that one, you know, that one photo that you took that was a big part of our lives. Um, well, I appreciate it. you know Dave, David said back in the day to Nat Butler and I together, he said, "You guys are in charge of the visual history of the league." <laughs> like, no pressure. That's and then Adam, you know, fast forward, you know, forty thirty five years, I think, the night of uh, of the enshrinement. Remember. The NBA, Adam gave us a really nice little cocktail party, you know, for yeah. you and me. And um, I think it was uh, it was Russ or Rod, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Adam takes me aside. And he's at, I'm like 35 years in already. He says, Andy, I think your best pictures are in front of you. All right. Thanks for tuning in to another amazing edition of Legends of Sport Friday. Again, we'll just learn so much about Rick Welt, a a guy that I've heard his name for years in terms of what he meant to the league and what he meant to the game. And just really cool hearing um, his conversation about his life and about his career. And uh, again, uh, like each Friday, just look forward to who we have on. Spencer Haywood, again, coming on next weekend, uh, next week. So looking forward to that. Again, have a great weekend, everyone. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again next week. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy.
This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.